Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. God has given us eternity. We really have to meditate on that. We really have to think about these things. We need to not just read the verses. We need to really think about them. And make it personal for yourself. Make it personal. God did this for you. Amen. Okay, so I want to start today by asking a question. And I want you guys to be genuine. Okay? And put up your hand if, if, if this is true. Who here wants to please God? Who here wants to please God? That's good. Most of us wants to please God. And now I want to ask you, who do, do you please God? Do you please God this morning? <laughs> Thank you, Philip. Yes. <clears throat> but those, those two questions, um, we all know the right answer for the second question. Do we please God? No? We all know the church answer. It's, the Bible says yes. Uh, but do you really believe that you are pleasing to God? Ask yourself this question. Do you really believe that you are pleasing to God? Um, or when I asked this question, was, was there some doubt in your heart? Were you thinking, oops, I don't know. I don't know. Do we feel like our lives are pleasing to God? And I'm not trying to make anyone feel condemned or guilty here this morning. I'm asking this question to reveal to you that maybe there is a truth that you still need to receive. Maybe there is a truth that you need to hear and truly believe, truly believe deep in your heart. To have it settled down there, to take root. <clears throat> I ask this question maybe to shed some light on some lies that we are still believing. The lie that God is not pleased with me. I think it is safe to say that if you are here today, you have at least a small desire to be pleasing to God. But when we ask ourselves, do I please God or am I pleasing to God, some might immediately think, when was, when was the last time that I sinned? When was, the, when was the, the last time that I sinned? Did I repent after I stole that cookie? Holy Spirit, if there is any sin in my life, please show it to me that I don't know of, maybe. When was the last time I did something good, you might ask yourself. When last did I read my Bible? When I ask you, are you pleasing to God? Maybe those questions comes up or something like that. Eh? But by default, our thoughts um, turn to performance when we are asked, is God pleased with me? And that's just a little indicator that you need to shift your focus today. Maybe that's not you, but you also did not answer with a sure yes the moment the question was asked. And only you can answer for yourselves whether that is true. Um, maybe there was some hesitation. Um, we need to become completely convinced of God's love for us and God's heart towards us. Amen. What we believe with regard to what God 
thinks of us echoes through to every part of our lives and most importantly to our relationship with Him. Okay? What we believe with regard to what God thinks of us echoes through to every part of our lives. And the most important part is our relationship with Him. If we are not convinced of His feelings and His heart towards us, we will live uncertain and unsure lives. If you are not sure how someone feels about you, you will always be seeking approval. You will always be seeking approval. You will always be wondering whether you have done enough or wonder if what you have done until now bears approval. Here's a fact. If you think that someone might not like you, if you think someone might not like you, né? what are you going to do? You're going to avoid that person. Né? If you think someone, they don't like you that much, they don't have such a good idea of who you are, then you are going to avoid that person. What did Adam and Eve do when, when they sinned in the garden? They went and they hid. Right? So you might see that person in the grocery store and then you duck behind the, the, the counter. Because if you are not sure of someone's heart towards you, how someone feels about you, you're going you're gonna to avoid them. And that is exactly what we do with God. We are not sure of how God feels about us. We are not sure of God's heart towards us. And therefore, we don't go to Him for relationship. We, we, yeah. Listen to this beautiful scripture. 1 John 4 verse 13. 1 John 4 verse 13. And I want you to go there in your Bible so that you can see the evidence there. Don't take my word for it. See it in the see it in the word and believe it. 1 John 4 verse 13. And God has given, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare, this is important, this verse, all of them are, but I'm focusing on this one. Verse 15, all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love. Someone needs to hear this this morning. God is love. Amen. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face Him with confidence. Because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. 
If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. Okay. How do we live in God? How do we live in God? Verse 15 gives us the answer. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. It's that simple. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. Simply put, we live in God when we become born again by faith. Amen? Trust, trusting and believing in Jesus and the evidence is His Spirit on the inside of us. That is how we live in God and He lives in us. It's very easy. It's very simple. I love how easy that is. It's not those who work hard. God lives in them. That's not what this verse is saying. Amen? It's not those who are living holy. Then God will live in you. That's not true. Amen? It says, those who believe in you will have eternal life. Amen? We are one with God simply because we believe the gospel. That is all. One with God. Think about that. You are one with God. That's beautiful. And it is just because you believe. You just have to believe. You just have to put your trust in Jesus. It is not because of your performance. It is not how, how beautifully you live. It is not how clean you live. Amen. It is beautiful how he says that on the day of judgment we can stand before God confident and completely fearless. Have you ever thought of the day of judgment? <coughs> the day when um, all humanity will stand before God. Have you ever felt like, ooh, that's going to be a hectic day. That's going to be hectic. I'm afraid that maybe I come there and then God is going to have a TV. And it's going to be, Philip, it's your turn. You front of the line. We're going to watch a video of Philip's life now. And look at all the sins that he did. Ooh, no, 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 no. And then God is like, he's sitting on his throne. And he has a lever next to the throne. And he's like, and then, straight, straight to hell. Straight to hell. And then you, we have fear. The, the thing is that some people believe this. It's not true. Yeah, to be clear, that is not true. Don't get scared. It's something scary, actually. Yeah. But some people are in I believe for Absolutely. many years. I believe that for many years. Same here. Same here. I have a video, you can see everything I But we can stand before God and we can be sure of it. We can stand before God confident and completely fearless without a shred of fear of punishment. Zero. Zero expectation of anything negative from the Lord. Zero uncertainty. You do not have to be uncertain. You do not have to be unsure. You know exactly where you stand with God. You know exactly where you stand with Him. That's awesome, guys. If this message is not for you today, you feel like you know this already, hold on to this message. 
Why do I say that? Because there are thousands and thousands of people out there that do not know this. They do not know this, I promise you, they do not know this. How long did it take us to get to this point of believing this truth? It took a few years. Amen. This is the good news, the gospel. Yeah. And just because you know it, and just because you think, well, this, well, this is, doesn't everyone know this? This is common, this is, this is ultimate and this only city. Just because it's old news for you, doesn't mean it's old news for those people outside. Okay? I think we grossly underestimate how many people do not know that God loves them. And that it's by grace that we are saved. Through our faith. Um, people are stuck in fear and performance because they haven't heard the true gospel. Maturity in the, in the faith is sharing the word that you receive here on every Sunday. Amen. If you want to be a mature Christian, share what you receive. Share what you receive. Allow His perfect, unconditional love to drive out all fear. Perfect love expels all fear. His love for you is perfect. So that word, perfect, it caught my attention. It says, perfect love casts out all fear. And I thought, hmm, what does the word perfect mean? It means, when I, and I looked it up in the dictionary, it says, complete, perfect. It has come to an end. It is translated full of age. Full of age. It is mature. Love that has been brought to completion. No further growth or development is needed. His love towards you is full. It is overflowing. Nothing can be added to His love for you. Amen. His measure, the measure of His love for you cannot go any higher. It cannot be any more. It cannot, there is nothing that it lacks. Do you understand what that means? His love for you is perfect. 1 John 4 verse 9. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world. This is the definition of that perfect love. This is what it means, what perfect love is. How God showed how much He loved us by sending His own one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to, wait, to take away our sins. Sometimes it's nice to have a feeling... Uh, to feel God's love and people r run after feelings but feelings don't just magically come, t come over us those feelings, if you want to feel God's love uh, they come as a response of revelation they come as a response of you meditating on the word you hear the truth of the word, you meditate on it and the feeling comes this scripture and others like it, like John 1, 3, uh, 3.16, is all the evidence that we need to know that God loves us. Amen. Amen. Sometimes I think we do not truly grasp these simple verses. 
What value do you place on eternal life? Do we realize what He has given us? Have we thought about what it cost Him to give us this gift? Have you thought about it? I want you to go think about it this week. What did it cost Jesus to give us eternal life? What is the value of eternal life for you? Do you value relationship with God? When you see what He did, when you see the cost, what it cost Him, you will, you will begin to value what He has done for you. You're not going to get eternal life on a Black Friday deal. Amen? 1 Peter uh, 1, 1 Peter 1, verse 18. 1 Peter 1, verse 18. Eternal life is not just some cheap thing, just some anyone could give it to you. This is a gift only God could give. 1 Peter 1 verse 18 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose Him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, He has been revealed for your sake. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Not mere gold or silver. Amen. That is the tremendous value that God has for you. That is the value that God places on your life. That is how much huh, and how precious you are to Him. The precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God that did not deserve to die, but came and did it for you. Let your heart be convinced of His love for you today. Do you hear me? Amen. Yes. Let God, let your heart be convinced of His love for you today. And the scripture says that love expels, love expels all fear. Where does fear come from? It comes from doubt and uncertainty. That is why we need to become completely convinced of His love for us today. If you are uncertain, then you are not sure whether someone loves you or not. No? But if you receive His love and you believe that, then all fear goes. All fear is expelled. While I was preparing this message, I really felt God say that someone is looking at themselves and thinking, No, this might be true of that guy and that guy, um, but it can't be true of me. You need to submit to the truth. God loves you and there is nothing you can do about it. 
You did not earn it and you cannot lose it. Did you hear that? You cannot earn it. You did not earn His love. So how can you lose it? How can you lose it if you didn't earn it in the first place? God chose Him, Jesus, as your ransom long before the world began. Long before you even existed. Long before you even did anything good or bad. He came and He was willing to be your ransom. To pay for your life so that you can have eternal life. Think about that. I grew up in a church and... Oh, I grew up in church. And for many, many years I did not understand the message of grace. I don't know what I was doing. I don't know if I wasn't paying attention. I don't know if it wasn't the, if the preacher wasn't preaching grace. I don't know. But for many years, um, I did not understand what grace is. I was eager to please the Lord, but I was struggling with sin. I was very eager to please the Lord and to live holy, but I was struggling with sin. There was this great conflict within me of really wanting to be holy but struggling with so much sin. The struggle went on for many years. I was stuck in religion and performance-based mentality. Uh, and with that comes fear. With it comes fear. The fear, <clears throat> the fear that 1 John 4 talks about. Fear of punishment and judgment. Because I did not understand grace, I ended up in a cycle of sin and repentance. Sin and repentance. Not, not renewing your mind kind of repentance, no? I would be trying my best to live holy. And then I would sin and repent. I would beg God for forgiveness. Who knows you don't have to beg God for forgiveness. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. Stephen knows. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You don't have to beg God for forgiveness. And anyway, uh, I was in this cycle. Uh, and that cycle would repeat and repeat. And after many years, this is what repentance sounds like. Oh God, please. They already know there's a problem. Oh God, please. Please don't send me to hell. <laughs> Just forgive me this one last time. Have you ever said that? I will never do this again if you forgive me one last time. And then it happens again. And you start, you think you can make deals with God for your forgiveness. While he is, I wonder what God was thinking about me that time. He's like, my son, you are already forgiven. You don't have to beg me. I, those words were spoken in sincere ignorance many, many times. And I was truly scared. Like, I, like we said earlier, I was truly scared that if I was to die now, God would send me straight to hell. There was a genuine fear. A genuine fear. He would pull the lever next to the throne and the trap door below me will open and I would go straight to hell. That's a fearful thought. That's a fearful thought to, to expect judgment. And I was living a sin-conscious life. Praise Jesus, that is not the truth anymore. Amen? Amen. I think the year 60, 20, 2016 is where my life started to change. Hendry invited, my cousin Hendry, I don't know if you know him, from Stellenbosch, invited me to come and check out Grace Life. 
and the mind renewal, the understanding of grace began. And I started learning about what God's grace truly is. Amen. Titus 3 verse 3. Titus 3 verse 3. Titus 3 verse 3. Titus 3 verse 3. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. Verse 4. But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things, this is important, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, forgiving, ah, sorry, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. This verse is jam-packed full of goodness. Wow giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously, generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Verse 7, Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight, and He gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Wow, that is the Gospel. That is the Gospel. Even though we were lost in sin, not deserving a shred of mercy, but deserving judgment, eh? God took the initiative and by His grace, He saved us. He puts it so clearly here, not because of the righteous things we had done. What does that mean? Who knows? What is not because of the righteous things that we had done. Who knows what that means? It's not about works. It's not about what you do. It's not what you do. It's not the good life that you live, what you have done. It is not the bad things that you have done. That makes that you not be here. That you not be on camera. It's not because of the righteous things we had done. It's never been about our performance. It's always been about His love, His mercy, and His grace. Amen. 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 It's always been about His love, His mercy, and His grace. What is it about? His love, His mercy, His grace. Nothing about us. We weren't even here. Before the foundations of the world, God decided to save us. Before we did even anything good or bad, before I ever went to church, before I ever prayed a prayer, before I ever smoked a cigarette, before I ever did this, before I ever did that, it doesn't matter what you did or what you do. What matters is that you believe. 
believe and trust in Jesus. If it does not begin with our own performance, then why do we think we need to perform to keep that love and mercy and grace? When we believe and enter His love, verse 5 says, He washes away our sins. Huh? He washes away our sins and makes us completely new. Hallelujah. Amen. That's beautiful. Sin is no longer an issue. It's no longer an issue with God. Titus 3 verse 8. Titus 3 verse 8. We stopped reading at verse 7. This is now verse 8. Titus 3 verse 8. It says, This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these things. Insist on them. Bring on Insist on these things so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. So now you know, the Apostle Paul endorses my message, okay? Amen. <laughs> the Apostle Paul endorses my message. <laughs> the, this message has been approved by Paul to be trustworthy, good and beneficial. Now we can stop living sin-conscious and self-centered lives and actually do something good. Amen? Not to gain anything from God, not to earn His favor, but we can actually do something good. And we will know it is good because it will be empowered by God's love and grace. Good news that comes from an overflow of knowing that you are already loved already accepted. Do you understand? Amen. We can only truly do something good if we have, if that goodness flows from the Spirit on the inside of us. If we have received from Him first. Amen. Then we can do something good and that something good is reaching out with the Gospel. That is truly good because you are bringing someone into eternity. You are inviting someone on behalf of God into eternity, into eternal life, into relationship with Him. Hebrews 10 verse 10. Hebrews 10 verse 10. Hebrews 10 verse 10. <clears throat> this is from the King James Version. Hebrews 10 verse 10. So it's going to sound a bit more funny or a bit stranger, but difficult to understand. But he says, Hebrews 10 verse 10, but by the, by the which will, that's just by God's will, I think, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Remember this verse. Remember this verse. We are sanctified through the offering of the body, uh, sorry, <laughs> through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest, this is talking about the Old Testament priests, daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. So they did a lot of sacrifices in the Old Testament, 
and it could not take away sins. But this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice, how many sacrifices? One, one. one sacrifice. Ne? For sins forever. How long? Forever. forever. One sacrifice for sins forever. Sat down. He sat down. What does that mean? If you sit down, it means the work is finished. The work is finished. Sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, and Paul repeats it here. For by one offering he hath perfected forever. You, are, you have been perfected forever. Them that are sanctified. Those sacrifices made by the priests represent our performance. Those sacrifices that the Old Testament priests made. We can pull it through today. We can say that represents our performance. To try and make ourselves holy. And just like those sacrifices, our own efforts will always fall short. Our own efforts to make ourselves holy will always fall short. We need to start believing the truth. JB included. JB needs to start believing the truth. That sin is no longer an issue between God and man. One sacrifice for sin perfected us forever. Say, I am perfect. I am perfect. Amen. I am perfect. I am holy. Say, I am holy. I am holy. Why am I holy? Because God says so. God says so. In His Word. Where in His Word? Hebrews 10 verse 10. No one can stray against the Word of God. Uh, sanctified in Hebrews 10 verse 10 means um, to be set apart. Okay? To be set apart. And it says here that we already are. We already are sanctified. We need to stop trying to make ourselves holy because we can't. You can't. That's another thing. That's another truth. You can't make yourself holy. You can't. It's impossible. Only God is holy, and therefore only He has the power to make you holy. And He already did that. He already did it. God has deposited, listen, this, listen to this, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. What stands after you from that word? The Spirit is holy. <laughs> holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. There's a reason why he says the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit, His Spirit, is holy. God has deposited His own Holy Spirit on the inside of us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. I've got a short message today. I'm almost finished. <clears throat> because I want this to sink in. I don't want to overload you with a lot of information. I want you to take this home. and to, to, If there's one thing you remember today when you walk away, is that you are holy. 
because Jesus made you holy. And you do not have to fear God. And I want you to walk away here today convinced that God loves you. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians six nineteen. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. We remember the price, no? The blood of Jesus. The life of Jesus. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You belong to God. You belong to God. The word used for temple in this verse, he says, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Is a specific reference. Okay. The temple was divided into three parts. This is the Old Testament temple. No? It was divided into three parts. The outer courtyard, um, the holy place, where only the priest can go, and then the most holy place, the deepest room of the temple. Okay? Where only the high priest, so there were many priests, and then there was a high priest. And only he could go into that most holy place once a year. Eh? This room contained the Ark of the Covenant where God's presence would manifest above the mercy seat. The word for temple here in 1 Corinthians 6.19 guess what it refers to? It refers to the most holy place in the temple. But God left that temple in the Old Testament. He left that temple when Jesus died. The curtain between the most holy place and the, and the holy place, it tore uh, apart from top to bottom. And God's presence left that place. And where is it now? It's right here on the inside of you. God is saying, I have made you, I have made you my most holy place. How awesome is that? <laughs> no. I have made you my most holy place. I have made you my home. I live in you. That is amazing. I want to conclude with this verse. Matthew 3 verse 16. Matthew 3 verse 16. <clears throat> Matthew 3 verse 16. I am the most holy place of God. <laughs> believe it. We have to believe it. Because when you believe it, you will start seeing the fruit in your life. Stop trying to, to stick some fruit to your life. Don't, don't go buy plastic fruit at the China shop and start super gluing it to your body. You don't have to do that. Believe. All you have to do is believe the truth and you will see it in your life. That is how it happens. There is no other way. That is how. <clears throat> and it's a process. It's a process. Because our minds are full of lies that we need to root out. 
and it takes time. You all know this. It takes some time, but just hold on to the truth. Matthew 3 verse 16. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. The King James Version said, All this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. In whom I am well pleased. We started by asking whether God is pleased with us this morning. The answer is? Yes. Yes. The answer is yes, and you can say it with all certainty. You do not have to doubt. God said that about Jesus. You might be thinking, yeah, JB, God said that when Jesus was baptized. I'm not Jesus. No, no but every believer is perfectly one with Him. Receive this proclamation today. God is well pleased with you. Really. Think about this now. Listen to what I'm saying. God is pleased with you. God is well pleased with you. You are His dearly loved child. And you bring Him great joy. You, God is joyful when He sees you. He's happy when He sees you coming. That's beautiful. This is the key to a life of overflowing victory. Fix your eyes on Jesus, who He is and what He accomplished for you. Fix your eyes on who you are because of your oneness, your union with Him. Forget about your performance. Forget about it. Forget about your performance and your shortcomings and your mistakes. You might be struggling with sin today. Change in your behavior will come when you fix your eyes on Jesus. When you keep Him ever in your focus. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.